I'm making some soup which contains beetroot, carrots and cauliflower and also a little bit of onion and I fried onion separately and then add it to the soup. Then I made a little bit of rice with cauliflower and red pepper. So it's a kind of Indian risotto you can call it mm. and uh, it has got some uh, spices such as garam masala, turmeric and cumin and then a little bit of olive oil to fry the uh, onions and cauliflower. Welcome to Resurgence Voices, a podcast from the Resurgence Trust. I'm Marianne Brown and in this episode I'm in the kitchen of peace activist Satish Kumar. Today we're talking about food. Ethical living. Ecology. Eco-activism. Resurgence. and a source of nourishment. So, food is what we are made of. And therefore, our attention on food and what kind of food is very important. And also, it's a relationship between matter and myself, between soil and myself, between nature and myself. Because... Food is not only what you consume through your mouth, but also food is, air is food, water is food, uh, forests give us nourishment, oxygen is food. And so all kinds of nourishment we get from nature. And therefore it's very important that nature is clean and pure and pristine and not polluted, not contaminated, because we are breathing food, we are swallowing food. Uh, we are touching food. So uh, that's all source of nourishment and health. Satish has been a constant voice in the environmental movement for over 50 years, ever since he and a friend undertook a walk for peace in 1962. Even then, food was an important part of his message. I was born in India. Uh, I was uh, born uh, in Rajasthan, uh, in a small town, and my mother was a farmer. And so I am in touch with the soil and the earth uh, from the very beginning of my life. I grew up in India uh, until I was uh, 26. And then I went from India to Moscow, Paris, London, Washington, the four nuclear capitals, on a peace march or a peace walk. So I walked 8,000 miles from the grave of Mahatma Gandhi to the grave of John F. Kennedy. Yeah. And that, that took two and a half years to walk 8,000 miles. So that was one of my uh, big 
adventure. Uh, when I was in Georgia, near the Black Sea, south of Russia, um, uh, a woman in a tea factory said that our Georgian wine and Georgian tea are very famous. And, and you are going to these four nuclear capitals. I would like to give you four packets of tea. And would you deliver one packet to each of the four nuclear capital uh, leaders uh, and tell them that this is peace tea and make tea, not war. When you have a, uh, a mad thought of pressing the nuclear button, please stop for a moment and have a fresh cup of tea and think again. That will give you a moment to reflect that your nuclear weapons will destroy everything. Men, women, children, animals, forests, lakes, everything will be gone. And therefore, don't use the nuclear weapons. And there was such inspiring, simple idea from a very ordinary looking woman in a tea factory in a small town in Georgia by the Black Sea. I was very touched, inspired, moved, and I carried those packets of peace tea to the Kremlin, to the White House, and delivered them. What was their reaction? There was a kind of uh, light-hearted reaction, and uh, and the uh, the man in the Kremlin said that, uh, thank you, and I hope we never use this tea, uh, because we hope that uh, nuclear war never happens. And so there was a ni- nice uh, response. And in uh, Washington, also similar, uh, but also they said that we never use first nuclear weapons. Uh, and so so uh, that was very nice uh, response too. So they were all very sympathetic and a message of so simple uh, quality coming from a woman in a small town in Georgia. And nobody could uh, do anything other than be positive. After moving to the UK in the 1970s, you helped set up the small school in the village of Heartland in North Devon, where we are now. You were also one of the founders of Schumacher College in South Devon. For both projects, the act of preparing food and eating it is very important. Can you tell me more about that? Uh, So in 1982, uh, when my children were growing up and coming to secondary school age, uh, I thought that we have a nice primary school in our village of Heartland, but there's no secondary school. And children have to go 15 miles to Biddeford every day, commuting by bus, one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening, two hours of bus journey every day for children. And we live in the village community. Children should grow in this community. And that school uh, has gone on until 2017. And so uh, nearly 35 years uh, we ran the school. And at the school, we taught children ecology, environment, gardening, cooking, pottery, building. So education of head, education of heart, and education of hands. This was the idea. Not just three R's, but three H's, head, heart, and hands. And out of that experience also grew uh, the next project, which I started, called Schumacher College. And there too, we invite students, uh, they are adults, uh, they are 18, 19, 20-year-old or plus. And so we done short courses, we done master's program, and the students stay in the college. It's a residential, and they cook, they garden, they clean, they do washing up, and they learn. And so that has been now going on for 27 years. Why do you think it's important for people to share food? 
because at this small at this small school uh, when I started, I said how our school is going to be different from any other school, and I said the most one most important difference would be that every day children and teachers together will prepare the food, and when you are preparing the food, you are not missing any lesson. Cooking is your lesson, and that food will be for real. It's not just learning skill, but learning skill, but for real eating lunch. So we will share lunch, teachers, parents, children together, and then do washing up together. So what is good of learning about Darwin and Shakespeare and and Galileo and Newton and and English and Shakespeare and so on? You don't know how to cook your food, so you must learn how to grow food and how to cook food. So I introduce garden in the small school. and kitchen from the very first day so in the similar way at the shumaka college we have 6 acres of garden and every student we say at least half an hour one hour every day student should go in the garden and touch the soil and grow food because food should be local when you have imported food is picked in wrong time unripe fruit and and picked in place times and then you pack it in plastic and the plastic um, sort of little plastic gets into the food i think so i don't like food uh, packaged or wrapped in plastic i want food to come from the soil to the table and so uh, at the shumaker college we say every student must learn to grow food and cook food together and that way you can build a community you when you are sharing the cooking and eating you become friends you are relaxed and your teachers and students eating together and cooking together so i cook there i've been cooking there for 27 years and um, and when i'm cooking with students i know, know about them much more deeply and much more informally and much more on a friendly basis than i was in the classroom and so uh, cooking together eating together sharing meal together is so human and so fundamental to our existence and so i said that every school in england or in the world should have a garden and a kitchen every university should have kitchens and gardens so that teachers professors students they all learn to cook and cook good food real organic fresh food uh, grown locally and not imported from far away uh, and this idea that you can have strawberries at any time or uh, any vegetable at any time or any kind of food at any time is wrong uh, in my view food should be seasonal and and because nature is providing that particular food at that particular time for some reason and so nature is not stupid uh, so we have to honor nature and eat seasonal food and and also each country each soil each uh, season not only season but each kind of climate and each conditions are different so if i am growing in england i need to have food which is grown in england and if i am in india or china then i need to eat food which is grown in india and china and of course a little bit of icing on the cake you can have a little bit of 10% or 20% of food uh, imported from far away if you like rice or something like that or like your um papadums or like papadum yeah. but that should be just a little token majority of food 
should be local. So this is what I do. You've talked about the political power of food with your peace tea and the importance of food in education, but food is also important to culture. I lived in Vietnam for many years, where the importance of food is reflected in everyday language. One phrase which literally translates as, have you eaten yet, uncom chua, is used for people to ask, how are you doing? It's just a general greeting. What do you think about British attitudes to eating? Uh, it's not English or British uh, or, or Welsh or Scottish or that uh, problem. The problem is of modern times. In modern times, in uh, Britain as well as in um, other European countries, France is losing its French cuisine and getting for, for McDonald's and fast food and so on. Uh, in Italy, the same thing. This is why in Italy, uh, Carlo Petrini started slow food movement so that artisan food, artisan bread, artisan wine, artisan cheese is protected. And, and also there's a new movement for farmer's markets. And if you go to farmer's market in, in say, uh, Italy or in France, you get hundreds of varieties of cheese and locally locally made um, wine and and various kinds of um, jams and, and chutneys and so many different things and made by people locally and they just bring it once a week in this farmer's market and, and sell it. So that is there. But in our metropolis cities like Paris and London and Milan and Rome, uh, all these sort of chain uh, like Kentucky Chicken or McDonald's or something like that or Pizza Hut, they are bringing down the social, cultural and spiritual dimension of food. Um, uh, but I think uh, if you go a bit more interior in culture, in every country there is a culture of food and people have cherished their culture of food. Are there any particularly memorable meals that you've had over the years? Um, <laughs> I've just been to China and, and I was there for one week and I would say every day, every meal was memorable and they have a kind of round table which is wonderful, very democratic, there's no head of the table, round table and then in the middle of the table there's a circulating uh, little uh, disc and you put all the food on that disc and then you can just turn around the disc and take what you like and how much you like. So it's not that you have to eat so much or so little. Everybody's free and they can taste a little bit and then if they like it, they can have more. And and the dish after dish after dish of um, uh, Chinese vegetables and, and uh, tofu and mushrooms and rice and various kinds of soups. Um, of course, I'm vegetarian. And so they were treating me specially with vegetarian dishes. But in China, they eat everything. Uh, they are very kind of uh, open to any kind of meat uh, but, uh, and fish. Uh, but I eat only vegetarian. So I was thinking that these seven days of eating in China was tremendous. Can you be an ethical meat eater? Um, I would say that not everybody can be vegetarian overnight. Uh, therefore, if you are eating meat, and if the meat is from free-range animals who have lived happy, good life in the open, grazing good grass and breathing good air, 
and living good life and at the end of their particular period of life they are killed humanely and 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 not in a cruel way in factories and so on then that would be closer to ethical uh, meat uh, but in the ecological uh, crisis that we are facing today uh, increasing population now we have 8 billion plus and within a decade or so with 10 billion uh, it is easier to feed more people with less land if you are vegetarian uh, to feed one vegetarian person uh, you need only one acre of land whereas to feed uh, one person with meat you need five acres because converting protein from um, plant based um, food to meat based food requires a lot of land and therefore from an ecological point of view environmental point of view sustainability point of view uh, plant based and vegetarian food uh, is preferable uh, so even if you are not completely vegetarian i would recommend people reducing their intake of meat and particularly avoiding meat produced in factory farms because at the moment you get tens of thousands of chickens in one factory farm or tens of thousands of pigs and cows in one factory farm and they never see the light of the day they are all operational computer there's no human touch they are just for meat as if they have no other life this is very cruel and so ethically uh, factory farm meat should be avoided of course organic food does tend to be more expensive and it's more difficult to get hold of especially if you live in the city some people might argue then that your philosophy is elitist how do you respond to that the food which is grown with chemicals is more elitist than food which is grown without chemicals because anybody ordinary person can go to the land plant the seed and get their food and in britain government has a law that if you want an allotment government must give you an allotment council must give you an allotment legally they are obliged to give you an allotment so any ordinary person working class person person without money can have an allotment and grow their food and have free of charge also uh, the reason that organic food is expensive is because it's a more labor intensive and it's a less uh, quantity uh, more people demand Uh, organic food then many more people will grow organic food then it will become cheaper but it may seem that the chemically organized or produced and factory farm uh, meat is cheap but it's not cheap it's not cheap in the long run we have to pay taxes those people who are buying cheap meat will have to pay taxes to clean the air clean the water clean the environment and and the pollution and the waste which factory farm and the meat producing farm produce is so expensive uh, that our oceans are getting polluted our rivers are getting polluted so the short term uh, cheapness may appear to be convenient and 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 available for everybody but in the long term the cost to the environment and the externalization of cost has to be taken into account therefore a kind of chemical and and a kind of factory produced food is not cheap in the long run for the environment for the society for the future of our uh, planet and the future generations 
whereas organic f- food may be money terms a bit more expensive but i think people should pay more for food and less for their smartphones and cars and computers and clothes and many other things which we waste so much uh, we buy every new fashion uh, uh, season comes and you buy new clothes and throw away old clothes and you buy new shoes and throw away old shoes so we must live frugal life simple life a careful life because there are limited resources uh, on the planet and and put more money in our food. You've talked about fasting as well as feasting in your work. Do you think eating food is as important as not eating food? Fasting and feasting go together. In every culture uh, there is a place for fasting. In Christian culture you have Lent. In Muslim culture you have Ramadan. In Jain and Hindu and Buddhist culture of cultures of India you have tapasya. So these cultures have developed the idea of fasting and feasting as a balance like speaking and silence are equally important if you just speak 24 hours a day you will not be right so between your speech you must have a silence so uh, fasting is as important and i would say even perhaps more important than feasting and eating and therefore uh, if we can give so i generally will not eat anything in between meals i'll have uh, nothing for breakfast nothing for 11z's nothing for afternoon tea i'll have just lunch and the dinner and in between nothing one last thing we've got our vegetables prepared our meal maybe even grown our vegetables we've got it on the table and we're ready to eat what do you suggest people think about before they start eating before they start eating i would say thank the sun without the warmth of sun there will be no food thank the rain without the rain there will be no food thank the soil which food is soil transformed thank the earthworms you know one earthworm according to some scientific research turns 6 tons of soil in its lifetime what a service therefore before we eat we thank the sun thank the rain thank the soil and thank the gardener thank the farmer thank the shopkeeper thank the person who is bringing you the food so if we have that humility and humility is essential for humanity without humility there is no humanity that's all for resurgence voices for now thanks for listening <laughs>